0: We have a very interesting subject, and uh, when we speak of rightly dividing the word of truth, if we do not know the difference between the Lord Jesus Christ as the King of Israel and as the head of the church, which is his body, uh, we need uh, to begin in the primary department of rightly dividing the word of truth now we read in colossians and in galatians that in the church the body of christ in christ himself there is neither jew nor gentile there is no division in the church as to israel and the nations And as the church is not Israel, the title, the king of Israel, would not fit the uh, relation of Christ to his church, which is called his body. Now in the 23rd chapter of the book of Jeremiah, uh, Peter says we have a more sure word of prophecy Whereunto we do well that we take heed as a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, until the day star arise in our hearts. With all of its culture, all of its education, and all of our boasted civilization, we're living in a very dark age. People are enjoying the light and the byproducts of Christianity, but in the human heart, though there may be uh, somewhat of a Christian veneer, the person without the Lord Jesus Christ is living in darkness, and uh, not only outside of the church, but the great majority of the people in the church do not believe what the Bible foretells. Never forget an expression we use in the matter of spiritualizing. People spiritualize the church. They spiritualize and tell spiritual lies because they do not have spiritual eyes. Can you remember that? When they spiritualize, they tell spiritual lies because they do not have spiritual art. The post have taught us that when Christ met, said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he meant that he was here to indwell human beings and the kingdom of God is within you. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ was really saying the kingdom of God is in your midst. When we get to the book of Colossians and in the gospel of grace, we do find the mystery among the Gentiles that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. But in the 23rd chapter of the book of Jeremiah, take this with you all week. And when you see the condition of the world today, when you're... Nervous and worried. Are we going to defend national China against those two off-coast islands? What are we going to do at Formosa? Well, no matter what we're going to do there, the Lord said there are going to be wars and rumors of wars. If we don't get into it in one spot, we're going to get into the other, some other place because you cannot leave the Prince of Peace out and expect to have peace on this earth. But here is the what is beyond all of the present civilization when they're trying to stabilize their governments and they're trying to put democracy at work uh, with the golden rule over in China and uh, in Asia and in Africa. Jeremiah 23, 5, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, no, not a man, the Lord said this, that I will raise unto David a righteous prince, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Did any of you read about $348,000 in a lockbox box? And two other keys there of a man who died and was supposed to have left $25,000? Who gave him all that money? Where did he get it? Did he reign and prosper Yes, he prospered and he reigned. Did he reign in equity and justice? No. Did many of the kings of the politicians? No. But notice what it says. A king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved. And Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name whereby he shall be called, the Lord our Righteousness. Now every one of us know who the Lord our Righteousness is. The Lord Jesus Christ in 1 John 2, 1 is called Jesus Christ the Righteous. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, the Lord Jesus Christ is called our righteousness. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, we read that the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross was made sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The Lord Jesus Christ came and he was crowned with thorns and nailed to the cross. When he comes the next time, according to the 19th of the Revelation, he's going to be crowned with many diadems. He's not coming to be judged by the world. He's going to reverse the order. He is going to judge the world. But he's going to judge the world in righteousness and in equity. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. Now, in the other two places where it says they're going to dwell safely, it says they shall dwell safely under their own vine and fig tree. I want to mention that because Nathaniel had come from under the fig tree when he said to the Lord Jesus Christ, Thou art the Son of God, Thou art the King of Israel. He was under the fig tree. Notice. Judas shall dwell safely, and this is the name whereby he shall be called, the Lord our righteous. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say, the Lord liveth, which brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth which brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country and from all countries, whither I have driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land." Now I ask you, there are five, four verses there, in as simple language as any fact can be stated, and a twelve-year-old child ought to understand it. And that is that the hope of this world is not a democracy. The hope of this world is a kingdom that shall be set up when the King comes, the Lord our righteousness, when the nation Israel shall be gathered in their own land, and when justice, judgment and justice shall be established in the earth. Now in the 43rd chapter of Isaiah, notice, these are wonderful words in forty three fourteen beginning. Thus saith the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ship. I am the Lord your Holy One. The creator of Israel, your king. Connect this with the closing verses of the first chapter of John. And you have the strongest proof, if you need to have proof, that Jesus Christ was God. Because God is here speaking and said, I am your creator and your king. In the first chapter of John, the closing verses, Nathanael said to the Lord Jesus Christ, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Well, you see that God is the King of Israel in the 43rd chapter of Isaiah, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the King of Israel in the first chapter of John. Now notice, Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the waters, which bringeth forth a chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall be, they shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as so. I am the Lord your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Now about your Nearly seven hundred years after this, the apostle Paul was ready to die, and he wrote two epistles. He said in the last epistle that the Lord would preserve him and had preserved him uh, for his heavenly kingdom. But I want you to notice what he wrote to the uh, uh, Timothy. In the sixth chapter of the first epistle of Timothy. In the sixth chapter, notice these words. Keep the 14th verse. Keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now get that. At first the apostle Paul thought he was going to live until the Lord came. He said, our citizenship is in heaven, and we look for the Savior to come, and we are looking for this blessed hope. But at last the Lord told him that he was going to have to die. He had preserved him until he said, I have finished my course. Remember, there are only two men who ever lived on this earth who finished their ministry. One was the Lord Jesus Christ, Right before he went to Calvary, he said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And when Paul was ready to be offered up, he said, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me and to all who love his appearing. Now there is a sense in which the mantle of Paul upon Timothy. For he said to Timothy, You go on teaching others what I taught you. The Lord gave me a, a, a deposit. I'm passing that deposit on to you. It's used twice. Once when Paul got it, once when he gave it to Timothy. And he knew that he could trust Timothy. But here apparently he thought Timothy would live until the Lord came. And this is what he said. Keep this commandment without thought unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Now as we think of this, we're going back to the first chapter of John presently, but let's go to the first chapter of Ephesians. In the first chapter of Ephesians, notice, Where Christ is now? I presume you could find a 150 prophecies somewhere in the 39 books stating that the Lord Jesus Christ would be Israel's king. That God would establish a kingdom on this earth, as Daniel was told, which would never be uh, removed and in writing to the hebrews the apostle peter paul said we belong to a kingdom that can never be moved now there are several phases to the kingdom there is the prophesied kingdom of god the unprophesied kingdom of god the overall picture is the kingdom of god the church is a part of the kingdom of god but uh all the way from Abel down through all the Old Testament saints and John the Baptist those who are in the kingdom of God who are not members of the body of Christ but let's notice now where the Lord Jesus Christ is The wonderful thing to know as we sit here in the, this auditorium and read God's word the uh, Ephesians 119 what is the exceeding greatness of God's power to us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenlies, far above all principality and power and might? Now, I presume you've read this many, many times. But what does it mean that the man that died on the cross of Calvary in a glorified body, he isn't one day older than he was when he went there. He went there at the age of 33 and a half, and there's no age when we get our glorified body. You do not grow older. But remember, He went and he stilled up far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. He hath put all things under his feet. He gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the filling up of him that filleth all in all. Now the Lord Jesus Christ is up in heaven. He is not the king of Israel up in heaven. He was a minister of the circumcision. He is not now a minister of the circumcision. He will yet be again the minister of the circumcision. He is going to have very definite dealings with his kingdom, nation again. For Paul said, you remember, I would not have you ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own conceit, that a blindness in heart has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in, and then Israel shall be saved, for out of Zion shall come the deliverer and turn away ungodliness from Jacob. That is Romans 11, 25 and 26. In Luke 21, 27 to 33, it says the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of the time of fall and trouble will appear in the clouds with his holy angels. And then he says, the time of your redemption will be at hand and the kingdom of God will be his. Now remember when Christ comes as the Son of Man, to establish his kingdom on this earth. The church will not be here. The church will have been taken home to glory. So if the Lord is going to bring an end to things with the atomic bomb, and that's going to be the end time that ushers in the tribulation, before that real tribulation is here on the earth, the church will be taken home to glory. Now remember, it says, those that are his at his coming. We ought to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. Are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that you're the sinner for whom he died? Have you received him as your own individual personal faith? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now, going on with our message, Christ is the King of Israel and the head of the Church. He'll ask to turn to the first chapter of John. I think this is one of the most wonderful stories in all of the Bible. John the Baptist had just pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in John 1.29, you remember his word, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, or beareth away the sin of the world. Now it's very interesting to see that the Lord Jesus Christ in the first chapter of John is the Lamb of God, and he is the King of Israel. No wonder those apostles were so confused. They didn't understand his ministry. After he was raised from the dead, two of his faithful disciples said, We trusted it had been he who would have redeemed Israel. We thought he was going to be a king and a a lamb at the same time. We didn't know there was going to be any period of time between Christ becoming the Lamb of God and becoming the king. Prophecy pointed forward to the fact that Christ would go to the cross of Calvary and that he would go to the throne of David. But they thought that that would take place at the same time. I told some of you, when I first came to Chicago, I turned into the Moody Bible Institute and one of the best Bible teachers that they ever had was a lady. And she was teaching on the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. She used an illustration. She said, when I was in Colorado, one morning I saw the mountain, and I saw what would seemed to be a freak of nature. She said, I saw a mountain and it looked like one base and it had two peaks. She said, I've never seen anything like that. And she says, I'm going to walk over and see that. And she walked and walked and walked. It was quite a distance, the mountain you. And when she neared the mountain, she found out it was not one base with two peaks, but it looked that way from where she was. But she says, it was two different mountains with two different peaks, and there was a long valley in between them. And she used that as a illustration. She said, all of the Jews looked forward and they saw Christ on the cross and Christ on the throne, but it looked like one mountain with two peaks. And they did not know until after Paul came and the Lord revealed it to him, that there was a long valley or a long period of time in between the Christ as the Lamb of God and as the King on the throne. Now, they didn't see that. These uh, people didn't see it right before Christ left the Mount of Olives to go back to heaven. you remember what the 12 apostles said? Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They weren't interested about the body of Christ. They weren't interested in being baptized by one spirit into one body, a joint body, as we learn in Ephesians. They were interested in being delivered from from the yoke of uh, Jesus. They wanted to be delivered, as David told them, a prophesied, delivered from the hands of their enemies that they might serve God all their lives without fear. And they were looking for Christ as a king. And that's what Peter was preaching in the third chapter of the book of Acts. He says, Repent, and God will send Jesus Christ back again. For the restitution of all things spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. In the third chapter of Acts, Peter didn't look up there for principalities and powers and see the Lord Jesus Christ as the head of the church. Just about a month later, Stephen looked up there and he said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now I remember the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew says when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth, he will be the Son of Man a king. Christ is never called the Son of Man as the head of the church. Paul never used the expression the Son of Man. He never used in speaking concerning the church. He never called Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, for he said in 2 Corinthians five sixteen, We will not know him any longer after the Christ. There was the Son of Man standing. That's the reason I believe that James was one of the book's first books written, because there's nothing of the church in the book of James. And in James, you read, "Behold, the Judge standeth at the door." Now, then, undoubtedly later on, something happened. The Lord Jesus Christ sat down. You never read him as the of him as the Son of Man standing as the head of the church, he's always up there sitting on the throne of God as the head of the church. But now notice, in the closing verses of the first chapter of John, in the day following, the forty-third verse, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now notice, Philip, Find us Nathaniel, and saith unto him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Joseph, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael, now get it. Nathanael means the same as John Nathan. N-A-T-H-A-N. It's simply the Hebrew word that means a gift, just like someone would give you something. Nathan is gift. Jonathan is Jehovah Nathan. J-O stands for Jehovah. So Jonathan means the gift of God. E-L means Nathaniel means the gift of God. There's no difference between Jonathan and Nathaniel except in Jonathan, God is called Jehovah. In Nathaniel, he's called God. And so uh, Nathaniel means the gift of God. Now why is it that God is going to save Israel? He's going to save Israel and put them under their own uh, fig tree because of the gift of God which is without repentance. He said, I'm going to do it for the Father's sake. It's not because they deserve it. When the Lord went down to Egypt, and led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he says, I'm not doing it for your sake. I'm doing it because of my friend Abraham. And they did it for Abraham's sake. When the Lord gathers the Jew, do you think the Jew today is worthy? Well, I want to tell you when the Lord saved me, I wasn't worthy. I wasn't saved because I was worthy. I was saved because worthy is the Lamb. And I didn't have any more sense to realize that I couldn't save myself, and I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Now, when God saves uh, Israel because uh, the gift of God is without repentance, he's going to put them under their own vine and fig tree, and they're going to dwell safely in their land. And in Amos 9, 11 to 15, God says, When I put them there, they'll never be plucked up again. They're over there now, but God didn't put them there. They're going to be plucked up again before the Lord comes. God didn't put them over there. They went over there in unbelief, hating the Lord Jesus Christ, as they've always hated. But when the Lord puts them there, they'll never be plucked up again, because God is going forth to fight for them as in the day of battle. And they're going to say exactly what Nathaniel said. He said, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And what will the Lord do for them? We're told in the 26th, 36th chapter of Ezekiel that he's going to take all guile out of Israel. And he said, I will sprinkle them with clean water and I will cleanse them from all their sins. And I will put them in their own land, and a king shall reign over them. And he's going to do that for, because the gift of God is without repentance. And remember what he said to them. Behold an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And you know that God says when he puts Israel back in their land, after they look upon him whom they pierce, After the Lord comes, behold, he cometh with a cloud when every eye shall see him. They that pierced him in all nations shall mourn because of them. God says they can search for sin in Israel, but they'll not find it. And that's true of us today.